You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. Forget the past. All of it. Because it has nothing to do with the only place and time where you can do your very best to put your best foot forward and do what's right, avoid doing what's wrong, and live your life to the full. Forget the past. Let's start with some simple examples. I recollect having a conversation over lunch with a very good friend of mine in London a couple of years back. He had just come out of a presentation that he was making to a potential new client and sat there bemoaning the fact that he didn't think that the conversation had gone very well. He wished he had said this differently. He wished he had put forward this proposition in a different way. He wished basically to redo the past. I just sat there looking at him, grin on my face. And eventually it dawned on him what was going through my head. He said, often he said, you know, for example, yesterday, I worried about tomorrow, which is today, worrying about how the presentation would go. And he said, it occurred to me yesterday how mad it is to be worrying about the future when all I can do is what I need to do now to prepare myself, for example, for that presentation. How much matter is it for me to sit here and somehow think in my mad, normal, crazy mind that I can, by wallowing in it, remake the past? Absolute madness. So if there is something that you did yesterday or this morning that you wish you had done differently, forget it. There's nothing you can do about it. Now, before we go any further, I need to clarify something. If there's something that you have done and wish you had done differently, you may learn from the experience. I'll clarify that in a minute. You may not learn from it. If through doing something that you wish you hadn't done, somebody else has been hurt as a result, you need to do the necessary to undo that hurt. In other words, I'm not saying that you did stuff yesterday or the day before that you wish you hadn't done and you just forget it without any consequences. If there are consequences for other people, the consequences need to be addressed. The other thing I said, the first thing I said was that having done something that you wish you had done differently, you might learn from it. If you're using your mind normally, you will not learn from it. I can guarantee you that. You might think you will learn from it, but you won't. Why? Because from the age of 13 on, we learn nothing. I was going to say new. We learn nothing at all. Anything that we think we learn, 
from the age of 13 on is filtered through the stuff that we learned in particular during the third year of our lives. And on the basis that our attentional spotlight, as we've talked about before, in other words, our ability to focus and be present is when we're using our mind normally completely beyond our own control. How can we learn anything? or anything new from the age of 30 and on. So if you're using your mind normally, uh, and and I hope that's a big if at this stage. I mean, this is episode, what, 111, I hope, even if you've listened to a few of these podcast episodes, you might be beginning to use your mind in an abnormal way. And that would be a very, very good thing indeed. That would be very much a step in the right direction. But over the years, I've met people who have jumped from the frying pan into the fire, so to speak. I recollect having a conversation with one girl who I had met for the first time, bemoaning the fact that she was in her third abusive relationship. And as I said to her at the time, if you keep using your mind normally, even though you think you've learned from those previous three experiences, when this relationship comes to an end, you'll go... And you repeat the whole thing all over again. You'll end up in another abusive relationship. Why? Because when we use our mind normally, we use our mind automatically. We allow our automatic pilot run its programs, like any automatic pilot, and always bring us back to the same place. That is why people go from one bad job to another bad job. They go from a place where they're being bullied to be bullied by somebody else. They keep doing the same things, expecting a different result. The definition of madness. Have I digressed? Not at all, for the simple reason that the only way we would pay any attention to the past at all, and I mean the recent past, is to learn from it. If we're using our minds normally, that's not going to happen. If you're using your mind in an abnormal way, you will be able to reflect on whatever has just passed and say to yourself, is there something I can do differently? And the great thing about using your mind abnormally is that we can do things differently. And obviously, as a result of doing things differently, we end up getting different results. The definition, perhaps, of sanity. Now, as I've said recently, only 4% of people on the planet are using their mind abnormally. The norms of how the normal mind works in the way in which evolution and nature intended means that 96% of people keep banging their head off a stone wall, wondering when the pain will stop. Madness. Utter madness. Now, I reckon that even in the example I've already given of my friend bemoaning his uh, apparently failed presentation to a potential client, by the way, he was only going over something in his own mind and his own normal thought process were muddying the waters to the point where he actually thought the presentation hadn't gone. Well, he won the piece of business. And he won the piece of business as a result of his being there at the time. It was only the madness of his own mind questioning whether he had put his best foot forward after the fact that had actually got him into the frenzy 
and state that he was in when I met him for lunch in London that day. It's like, for example, I was talking to my people, program owners, on Zoom last week, and one of the girls in the conversation was talking about how she was doing a number of assignments, academic assignments at the moment, and how her results were going from bad to worse. Now, they were only going from bad to worse by a percentage point here and a percentage point there. And she was passing all the assignments with flying colours, but she knew that when she was in the zone and not trying, it's a very important message here, that she would get the kind of results that she really, really wanted, and they'd happen effortlessly. And I recounted something to the group about when I was pursuing my psychological studies. I recollect one summer here, many years ago, I studied like I'd never studied before, and I got my worst result from that exam that July. I still passed it, but that's beside the point. I was, I was very disappointed with myself. What did I learn? Well, I actually learned nothing because the lesson had been learned in the previous exam. I just hadn't bothered applying it. And you see, the point is that even though we're all works in progress and we're all moving, hopefully, in a direction to the promised land of being in flow and getting what you want out of life effortlessly, as I do most of the time, I'd forgotten how to get a distinction, even though in the previous exam I'd got a distinction. I recollect, and this is the reason why I'm telling you this story, because again, it is a, the idiotic mind, the normal way in which the mind operates, raking over a past that doesn't need to be raked over at all. I recollect coming out of the previous examination, which was in the Warwick Hotel in Geneva a year before that. And obviously my good wife was wondering at what time I'd be home for dinner. So I rang her as I left the Warwick Hotel. And I said, the exam's just finished. I'm heading back to the car park. I'll be home in about an hour and a half. And she said, how did that go? And I said to her, I have no idea what that was all about. I have no idea what happened there. I have no recollection of even how the exam went. It feels like it was a disaster. I got a distinction. I got a distinction having not studied for the exam, having only read and immersed myself previously in the material because it was so interesting. There are all kinds of lessons to be learned from what I've just said. First of all, in relation to how we prepare for anything important, like my friend's presentation to a potential client, like an examination. For example, the latest advice academic advice based on strong evidence based on years of research at this stage is that if you're going to sit an exam next week, between now and next week, you do something completely and utterly different. Go fishing, go hang gliding, take a couple of days off and have a few drinks. A few, I said, not too many. Do something that is so different that it allows what your mind already knows put into the right order to enable it to come out in the right order when you sit down to do your exam. That is the latest advice. It is like, for example, many years ago, I got a phone call from a client who lived in Cork. I was living in Ireland at the time, so this is a long time ago, who said that he had been called for an interview in Dublin for a job he would dearly love to have, except 
for the fact that he would have to move from his beloved Cork to Dublin if he got the job. So I said, well, leave that aside for the moment. What you need to do for now is ensure that next Tuesday you put your best foot forward. I said, so it's Thursday afternoon. What are you doing for the weekend? He said, oh, I'm going to pull out all my management manuals from when I studied management theory and when I got my MBA. And I said, oh, that's an interesting approach. I said, they're looking forward to seeing somebody on Tuesday who's going to regurgitate crap from studies that are years out of date. I said, anybody can do that. I suspect you've been offered the opportunity of doing the interview because of your experience and what you can do and what you can bring to the party. Nothing to do with the crap that's in the manuals. I said, is there anything else you could do for the weekend? And he said to me, and this is why he didn't want to leave his beloved cork. He said, I painted the doors of my stables, the first coat, the undercoat of a light green last weekend, and I haven't done the final coat yet. I said, paint your stable doors. That's what you're going to do for the weekend. I said, you've already prepared for the interview. In fact, you've probably been preparing for this interview for years by virtue of the experience you've had over the years in the work that you've already done. Isn't that why they want to see you next Tuesday? I said, paint your stable doors. He said, what about the fact that if I get the job, I'll have to move to Dublin? I said, you're getting ahead of yourself. You see, he's thinking about the future. Paint your stable doors. So he arrived in Dublin on the Tuesday with green paint under all his fingernails. They didn't notice, obviously, because the people who were interviewing were, were normal, crazy people. They weren't there. They were going through the motions. But boy, did his presence as a result of simply arriving wholeheartedly, body and soul, make an impact on them to the point that only 10 minutes into the interview, they said to him, you're too good for this job. We're not going to offer you the job that you've traveled up to Dublin to be interviewed for. You're too good for it. We'd like to offer you a job at the top of the organization, right up at the group level. And the benefit of that job is, they said, you can decide to move to Dublin if you want to, but you can stay in Cork if you prefer to stay in Cork. Moral of the story, moral of the story. I've, I've said to so many people over the years, paint your stable doors. Well, that is where this conversation started today, is it? This conversation started with me giving you a really simple message. Forget their past. It's easy for us to understand how we can forget the recent past a row we had last night you know for example with our nearest and dearest forget the past and as i said earlier on if damage was done undo the damage but forget the past don't get ahead of yourself in thinking about the future like my friend saying what will i do if they offer me the job and i have to move to dublin forget the future the past is done and the future will look after itself when it arrives if we're present now the biggest problem the normally minded person has in relation to the past is not the recent past. It's the dim and distant past. And I know that sounds really stupid when I say it out loud, that people say in 2022 can't forget about 1962 or 63 or 1970. 
I know it sounds really stupid. Why would they be thinking about 62 or 63 or 1970 when it is so far removed from 2022? Why? Very simply, because that's how the normal mind works. As I said earlier on, when we're using our mind normally, the way nature intended, that's the sad part of it. When we're using our mind normally, the way evolution designed our brains to operate automatically, our automatic pilot uses, as I said earlier on, like any automatic pilot, it uses programs to enable us to do what we think we need to do today. Now, even that sentence is a downer because when we're using our mind normally, we actually don't know what we need to do today. We only think we know. And we think we know based on normal thought and on the basis of the normal thoughts that enable us come to the erroneous conclusion as to what we think is going on today. Mad stuff. So, for example, if you have a to-do list for today, you can probably cross off four-fifths of that to-do list because that stuff is only on the to-do list because either you think it should be there or another normal crazy person thinks it should be there. What needs to be on your to-do list is the important stuff that your thinking mind doesn't know needs doing. And that's why, and this is a very important digression, please take note of this. That is why anybody with whom I work has always been asked at one point or other along our journey to ask themselves before they go to bed at night, what's the next most important thing I need to do? Because anybody who asks themselves that question and then gives themselves the opportunity of sleeping on that question will know the following day, or perhaps a day or two later, different people's minds work in different ways, or perhaps they'll be showering the following day and they'll have an aha moment, or they'll wake up in the morning with the aha moment, and it will occur to them that something really important that you need to do today that you see would never be on the ordinary to-do list because the message didn't come from the thinking mind. The message came from the part of you that knows what you need to do to get to where you want to go. It just knows. It's, it's our gut instinct, our feminine intuition. Call it what you will, our sixth sense. doesn't matter what you call it. There's a bit of us, our doing mind, that is clouded and distanced from us when we use our mind normally because our thinking mind gets in the way. I've used the example I'm about to give you 150,000 times at this stage, but I need to do it again for the simple reason that it beautifully and elegantly explains how your mind works if you'd only let it work for you. You're walking through the bushes as a hunter-gatherer. A line jumps out in front of you. You've no time to think about it. Your doing mind will already know the quickest, most effective and most efficient route out of the danger in which you find yourself. That's how that part of the mind works. And you just do it. If you stop to think about it the way we normally do when we sit down at our desks in the morning and shuffle the papers and rearrange the to-do list, if you had time to think about the tiger standing in front of you, you'd be dead. Now, that is how our minds work. If, as I said a moment ago, we'd only let them. When we're using our minds the way nature intended, we're always thinking about what we need to do. We're always second-guessing ourselves. And most importantly, we're always giving credence to that dim and distant past that I mentioned a moment ago.
back to the start of today's podcast episode. Forget their past. Forget what happened this morning. Forget what happened yesterday. Forget the misgivings you might have about how you behaved yourself last week. Forget about it all. There's nothing you can do about it at this stage. That's easy, or at least it's relatively easy. What's difficult, and by the way, impossible, if you're using your mind normally, is forgetting about the dim and distant past. As you learned, particularly between your second and third birthdays, you learned through taking snapshots of the events that at that point made and subsequently left an impression upon you. You took snapshots of the stuff that made you feel bad about yourself. Now, you did take snapshots of things that made you feel good about yourself as well, but they don't have the priority in your subconscious mind when it comes to the automatic pilot choosing which snapshots it'll use to enable you make it through the day today. It'll always go for the negative first because negative keeps us on our toes. Negative always has one eye towards the threat of that tiger leaping from the bushes. You learn stuff about yourself that is holding you back. Even the good stuff you learned about yourself when you were between the age of two and three is holding you back because it has nothing to do with the here and now. It's still dim and distant and off in the past. So you have perceived inadequacies and you also have perceived strengths. And between a lot of them, there are only a bunch of perceptions based on stuff that people did to you when you were young and impressionable. And that's where, when we use our minds normally, that is where your attention is now. It is in the past. So when I say to you, forget the past, it is not something that you can do when it comes to the fundamentals of the beliefs that you have about yourself that come from the dim and distant past. Because when we use our minds on automatic pilot, they are the events to which we are still currently, right now, giving our attention because they enable us, keep us on our toes, make it through the day. Your mind isn't designed to enable you to enjoy yourself. Your mind is not designed to enable you achieve your goals. Your mind is certainly not designed to enable you change your life. The exact opposite is the case, in fact. And that is why we need to use our minds differently. That is why we need to develop our ability to be present so that we can forget the past, all of it, so that we don't get ahead of ourselves wondering or worrying about the future, so that we turn up to the reality of the moment and so that the real you turns up to the reality of the moment, not the one that is burdened by those perceptions that you have about yourself, not the one that is burdened by a misunderstanding of how the world works. You know, for example, we were all told when we were young and impressionable and we were educated subsequently in exactly the same vein, we were all told that you have to work hard to be a success. No. The latest research shows that the most successful people, those in flow, those who are present, do what they're doing and they do it effortlessly. 
and they achieve effortlessly. Uh, my clients and my online program owners have all kinds of expressions for that kind of thing. I hear them regularly. <gasps> it's like as if something just fell into my lap. Or you'll never guess. Something happened and it feels like it just happened. That's because these people are just doing what they need to do without thinking about it. That is because they are allowing their minds, they're doing brain, which does this naturally. They're just allowing them do it without allowing the thinking mind get in the way at all. A little thinking is a dangerous thing because of the way evolution developed our brains. When we think one thought, and it could be an innocuous little thought, it could be like, oh, I wish it was warmer today, which is a thought about the weather, which is obviously something I can do nothing about. But the problem is when I have one thought, thoughts are like gangs of thugs. They follow each other around. And when you allow one thought in, a gang of thugs will come in and mug you. So suddenly you're off down a train of thought that leads you down a dark alley. And even if it's not a dark alley, even if you're enjoying whatever you're thinking about, it's leading you away from the only place and time that you can live your life in the here and now. But the most the biggest problem we have in relation to thinking is that regardless of what we're thinking now, using our thinking minds will always and inevitably and automatically lead us to think about the past. Now, you've probably been using your mind in an automatic fashion for years. If you're using your mind normally, you've been using your mind that way since you were 12 or 13, all of your adult life, in other words. And because it's so normal to think that way, we don't even realize that we're thinking that way. We only are aware of it from time to time, like when we really make a fool of ourselves or think we do, or when we really trip ourselves up, or when we really freeze in the headlights when we have something important to do that we think we can't do. Most of the time, we're not aware that we're holding ourselves back through this thought because it is so familiar, so routine, so everyday, so normal, so automatic. When you start training your mind to be present, the training, as we know, is meditation. So many people say to me, oh, my mind is getting worse and worse. It's getting noisier and noisier. And of course it isn't. All they're doing is beginning to become aware of the madness of the normal mind, of the noise in the normal mind, of the irrelevance of most thoughts that come from the normal thinking mind. In fact, the irrelevance of pretty much all thoughts that come from the normal thinking mind. Forget the past. You need to come into the present. You need to smell the roses, so to speak. Smell the coffee. You need to come to your senses. You need to ensure that you take the steps today to experience the moment. Just experience it. Just notice what's going on. Just close your eyes and take a few deep breaths. And notice what's going on in your own body when you breathe in and out. 
or notice the sounds that you hear around you. Or as somebody on a Zoom call said to me last week, you know, when I'm getting hassled because I'm stuck in traffic and I'm late for a meeting, I take a couple of deep breaths. I feel the texture of the steering wheel in my hand. I look at the number plates of cars around me stuck in traffic. I look at the blank stares of normal crazy people sitting at the steering wheels of those cars stuck in traffic. And I come to my senses. You can meditate in any way that you choose, because meditation is really simply a choice of deciding right now, I'm going to pay all of my attention to what my senses are telling me in the here and now. And of course, the benefit of meditating stuck in traffic is that you're meditating with your eyes open, experiencing the real world, emptying your mind of the thoughts that are irrelevant to the present moment. In other words, all your thoughts and further enhancing your ability to turn up to your own life to the full in the here and now. I will end today with where I started. Forget the past. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called, To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-horton.com.